Are you good to go? I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the intro. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. I am your host, Carl Jensen, with Doug Cunnington. How's it going, Doug? Great. We're clearly out of practice. I usually like wave at you or let you know, hey, I just hit record. But yeah, it's good to be back in the studio here. Things are are great. We're coming off of, uh, I guess, the Thanksgiving holiday, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I've been getting just a shitload of emails about all the things I'm missing out on. What did you buy for Black Friday or for Cyber Monday? We went to Leadville, Colorado, and there's this clothing store called Melanzana. Have I told you about Melanzana yet? I don't think so. It's a small, uh, like I said, clothing store, and they have like sort of uh, these hoodies that are reasonably priced. I think they're like 80 bucks or so. They're very nice. I was wearing it earlier. People can't see it right now. I took it off. But basically, they're American-made. They're, I mean, they make them in Leadville. All the materials are sourced in the U.S. And it's just a small shop. They don't do mail order or anything like that. So Elizabeth, my wife, scheduled a uh, an appointment so we can go into the shop and get a couple pieces of clothing. So that's what we did. And it was kind of kind of a random thing. So we got to drive into the mountains, hang out for a little while. We went to uh, Frisco and what was that brewery? Outer uh, outer Range? Yeah. So we checked out Outer Range and then got a couple hoodies and then came back home. So that's what we bought. Doug, I, I have so many questions about this hoodie expedition. So you said I, I got a hoodie and it was a good price and you said $80. And when you said that, I'm like, holy shit, my whole wardrobe probably isn't worth $80. But then you said... It was made in America, which is good, and you're supporting local businesses. So I support that. I do not have anything to say there. But you had to schedule an appointment. It sounds kind of like a you were at some kind of fancy boutique in Espen, but you were buying a hoodie in Leadville. Right. It, it's exactly that. I mean, it's a, people probably haven't heard of Melanzana unless they're big into hiking and outdoor gear, and it's an obscure little sort of pocket and we didn't know anything about them until we vacationed in Leadville and we saw people waiting outside to go in and then we caught the fever and now we have a few of them and people recognize them. In fact, um, there were some folks that we saw down in Austin and then again in Cincinnati where uh, they, they recognized that I was wearing a melons on and I, I saw someone else wearing one. I was like, hey, I know what that is because it's a distinct uh, type of fabric. So it's a weird cult thing, basically. Okay. So this is like maybe the FI or outdoorsy version of like a Prada bag or purse or whatever they call those $2,000 things people carry around. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what? I didn't even think about it when you when you mentioned, um, you know, $80 and a hoodie. And I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good price. I mean, since it is handmade and they pay, you know, fair wages and they, all, you know, all the stuff that I just mentioned, I was like, oh, that's a reasonable price for something made. 80 miles away or however far it is to Leadville. But yeah, you can get a hoodie for like 15 bucks at Target or whatever. Yeah. I wonder, Doug, we've been talking about coming out with our own light of merchandise for a while. And this kind of changes things because I was just going to go with some like crappy online printer. High quality for everyone. I Crappy, I don't mean the, the quality, just crappy compared to maybe... Melanzana. I'd like to know how to spell that. But maybe we should upscale. I wonder if we could get a local clothing maker up there to do the green 
uh, what was it? Were we going to do a green tank top mesh shirt? Mm. Yeah. Maybe we could have some kind of alliance with Melon's <laughs> to sell our, our merchandise there. Yeah. I think um, it'll be a tough sell, uh, but we could talk to them and see what they think. And actually, I just, I, I want to know what you've been up to in a second, but I realized that um, we suck at doing intros. We're going to talk about the economy conference in this episode. So no one, no one worry, we're going to get to the point. So we'll have to work on that. This is just mental notes for us that we're going to come back to later that everyone is going to be able to hear. So we're talking about the economy conference later. Carl, what's been going on with you? Uh, I am working on my house, which is the answer I always have whenever you ask me that question. The, the kitchen cabinets are in. I'm about to start putting in the floors today. I am going to build a custom booth for the kitchen, so I'm also going to start working on that. I designed it this morning on SketchUp at 5 in the morning. More interesting than that is we just got back from Moab, which is pretty cool. Have you ever been to Moab, Doug? Yeah, went uh, just a couple months ago. It was still pretty hot when I was there. So it was a little unpleasant certain times of the day. Yeah, it was not hot, but it still was sort of unpleasant because there was still a ton of people there. Loads and loads of people. If you wanted to get into arches and not sit there for half an hour, you had to get there like before eight or probably after four o'clock in the afternoon. But it was really cool. We did a bunch of hikes out there, not as many as I would have liked because this is what happens when you have children. They don't like to do any of the things you want to do. But one funny story is we were on this long hike and it was great. This one was actually at Canyonlands, which is beautiful. Uh, it's just as good as Arches and they don't have the mega lines to get in. But we're on this hike and I'm looking at this canyon, this beautiful vista. And my daughter's like, dad, why are you looking at that? I'm like, well, it's Daphne. It's, it's this beautiful canyon. I, you, we don't get to see this every day in Longmont. We don't get to see it at all in Longmont. She's like, no, dad, you're looking at that rock, aren't you? So I go to look at this rock and she's like, yeah, that rock looks just like a butt. Why are you staring at that butt? Well, I didn't think that at all before you pointed that out, but there you have it. Do you want to have kids yet, Doug? Yeah. Every time you tell me a story, I get closer to that point. For people that want to see this rock, you actually posted it on Instagram, right? Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I did post a link to it because it was probably the highlight or what's the opposite of a highlight, a low light? I don't know. <laughs> the, the, of that hike. It was great. That part of the world is so beautiful. We did another hike to Corona Arch. Have you heard of this one, Doug? Or? Corona Arch, no. It's famous because it's not in any national park, but it's famous because some daredevil people would tie a rope to the top of this thing and like stand on a cliff and try to swing off from this thing. And then one guy didn't measure the rope and instead of swinging, he hit the rock and yeah, he didn't make it. And that was the end of that. So now there are signs everywhere forbidding you from this activity. Wow. Yeah. No, no, I didn't, I didn't run across that one, but we did check out Canyonlands, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Fewer people and very similar scenery, not as many arches, but there's a handful over there, right? Yeah. Have you checked out Butt Rock before? Not that specific one, no. Okay. But I, I always keep an eye out for that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I uh, I am curious when you're going to finish working on your home, but we could talk about that later. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> how, how many years are in a millennia? A lot. Yeah. Okay. So today we're talking about the economy conference and we have a nice little outline here. So I guess first off, what is the economy conference? Do you want to give like the 
the quick little uh, intro on that? Yeah, sure. So there are a lot of FI conferences that people have probably heard of. There is FinCon, and FinCon is mostly for people who actually create the content. So people who do YouTube videos, blogs, podcasts, just like Doug and I are doing right now. There are things like CampFI, which is more for consumers of the content, people who heard about FI and want to build their community. Economy is definitely more like CampFI. It is not for content content creators. I think Diana, the organizer, described it as uh, an FI party or maybe a, a TED Talk of FI because what it is, the first day, there were a bunch of talks, uh, main stage speakers and breakout sessions, and then the next day, uh, there were some activities where we got to, bu- to bum around the town and see Cincinnati. But yeah, so it's an event for people who are into FI. And we'll talk a little bit more about why someone would want to go to something like this, but not for content creators, but for people who would read a blog or listen to this podcast. So for you, I'm pointing at the camera right now in case you're listening. Good overview. Now, this was the first time that you and I have been roommates we spent a lot of time together. We flew out on Thursday, came back on Monday. We drove to the airport together, spent time in the airport together. And then, of course, we shared a room the whole time. So we didn't prepare for this. I don't know what Carl thinks of me anymore. <laughs> but yeah, what was it like? So Sp- I'm curious, uh, just to ask you before I talk, did you have any trepidation going into a roommate situation like this. I know you had roomed with our mutual friend Jake at FinCon a couple months back, so you're more used to this. The only person I've ever roomed with in the past 20 years is my wife or my kids if we're all sharing a hotel room. I was I was a little bit nervous because I did hear that you were a never nude, and I thought, ah, oh, that's a little unusual. I've only seen that on Arrested Development, but, you know, whatever. If you're into denim cutoff shorts that's cool with me well a never nude is probably better than an always nude right like if you had to pick one doug which which one would you take maybe i don't want the answer to that yeah i guess it depends on who who it is right (laughs) no so i i wasn't i wasn't too nervous of course we've recorded many episodes we spent many hours together so i wasn't too nervous um i i'm always afraid about the snoring situation but it didn't seem like it was going to be a, a problem just in general. And then, of course, it ended up being all right. So what, what about you? Were you nervous? Yeah, I guess I had a little bit of trepidation. And maybe this these are flashbacks to my time in college because I had a couple suboptimal roommates who I did not enjoy. One would stay up till like 5 a.m. like doing all kinds of crazy shit. The other one was just had no interest in doing anything academic. So they both caused me to do poorly. Not poorly in school, but less than my potential. And then now that I think about this, I went to Moab with a relative and I'm sorry, Wayne, if you're listening to this, but he's an older guy and that guy snores. Wayne, I'm sure you know this. I hope you do, but he snores like it's the end of the world. Like I I swear the whole thing was shaking. So one day we wake up from the situation. He's like, why is your head covered in pillows and sheets? (laughs) So I can't hear you. So I can try to get some sleep. So I had a little bit of trepidation. I didn't know what your habits were. And we had talked like I think you go to bed early and I go to bed early. We both wake up early. And that's probably the main thing. And snoring is a close second. But I got to say, Doug, I don't know. We haven't discussed this before, so this might be the first time. But I farted a lot. Like laying in, I think you fall asleep quicker than me and often lay in bed for like an hour or two. And there was one night where I was 
I, I farted a lot. I had a lot of gas for it. Must have been the, the Skyline Chili, which we'll talk about. But I'm like, shit, I hope Doug doesn't hear that because sometimes I'll do it in my own bed. And my, my wife will kind of st- like stop breathing or turn over. I'm like, ah, shit, she heard it on some level. She'll stop breathing. <laughs> yeah, no, wow. just for a second, you'll, you'll hear this like, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Gotcha. So it, I, I did notice it a couple of times and, and to be fair, you said that you fart in your sleep all the time and I was expecting it. So there was one, one morning where I, I was I usually toss and turn for a little while before I get up and it was just a symphony of noises coming from the bed <laughs> over there and it ended up being okay. You know, I didn't luckily... I didn't smell anything. You know, you kept it all under the covers, I guess. So kudos to okay. you for that. <laughs> and we did have separate beds or else you, have you ever heard the term Dutch oven before? Not the cooking appliance, but the other kind. I, I have, but why don't you describe it for the audience here? This is a five <laughs> podcast, but we, we go off script a bit. Yeah. Well, we'll get back into the, the meat <laughs> of the topic in a second, but I think that's what, uh, <clears throat> if there's two people in the same bed, which we were not, we had our... We had a separate situation. We had our own beds. But if uh, if one person's laid off gas and the other person happens to <laughs> lift up the covers and let that gas escape, I guess they've experienced a, a Dutch oven. I think that's what it means. I'm, I haven't looked at Urban Dictionary in a while. But. I think, you know, best case, you actually pull the cover up over the person's head. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So if we ever do go to a conference and we both share a king-size bed, I might try that on you, Doug. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. And, and one, just to nitpick the definition, you said two people, but it, it could be any number of people, right? I guess so. <laughs> Whatever works for you, you do you. Yeah. We don't want to artificially limit anyone on how they Dutch oven or the number of people that they do at one time. There should be a different name for that. Like, uh, <laughs> like what's a big oven called? Like a Dutch, like a Dutch oven is a little thing. I don't know. We'll have to think about that. Do they make a supersized Dutch oven or? Yeah. Like one, four feet in diameter. We'll have to get like the producer to look this stuff up later. So, okay. The other observation was the amount of diet Mountain Dews that you drink. So you, you don't drink coffee, which that that's cool. You know, it sounds like you don't want to get too much caffeine, but then I think you, did you bring along diet Mountain Dew from home? Was that in your suitcase? No, I, I, I did not bring it from home. There was a target right next to our hotel. So I, Went over there and bought a six pack of it um, one morning. Okay, and okay, so you just had the six pack. It just it seemed like every time I turned around, you were drinking one. Well, a six pack still is a lot. Like two of those, two twenty ounces per day, which I don't normally do. But it was either that or buy a twelve pack of cans. So the six pack seemed like the the right choice given the situation. Okay, and then have you? like had a habit of Diet Mountain Dew for a long time or is this a newer thing or? Yeah. I used to drink the regular kind and then I went to the dentist and the dentist is like, yeah, you've got three cavities. I'm like, oh shit. So it was at that point I switched over to diet, but usually I try to limit myself to a can or two a week and at least one day a week I tried to have zero. With that said, I don't drink any coffee. So I guess that's my form of caffeine. Have you ever had Diet Mountain Dew, Doug? Not a fan, I take it? Probably once or twice. I think if I'm going for a soft drink, I usually go full sugar, but that's very rare. Um, I usually drink beer. So, I mean, the you're probably better off than me. I mean, I'm killing my liver over here. You got a six pack of the Diet Mountain Dew, and I think I got like 18 beers 
uh, during the same same time frame, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to the Target, and I came back with like a suitcase of beer. We did share those with, with a lot of people, but <laughs> on that one night, dog, you did actually snore. I thought when you were doing that, I'm like, oh, this might be a result of that that case of beer. Yeah, and how how bad was the snoring? <sighs> where Wayne was probably a 10, you were probably a three or four. So it wasn't that bad. I don't think huh. I even put in earplugs. Yeah, I had them on the side of the bed. Yeah, I don't think I put in earplugs. And I think it was temporary. Like I woke up, you were snoring, and then you stopped. Like I came over, nudged you a little bit. You didn't move. I thought you were dead. And then I, <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you what happened after that. Yeah, and, and that makes sense because uh, I will snore after a late night of drinking. The particular day that we're talking about it was uh it was a long day i'll put it that way i'm i don't even remember um like s- snoring or anything like that and typically you know you may wake up i don't remember you nudging me or standing over the bed for a long time or anything like that good i i was worried that you'd see me stirring you actually i did take a movie of you and i'm serious about this not, not to be creepy but i kind of wanted to play your snoring back to you maybe we could splice that into this video so if anyone wants to hear doug snoring maybe we'll do a separate YouTube snippet for that. Yeah, leave leave a comment for that. Okay, so now we can get back into or anything else on the, on the travel or spending so much time together. I, I don't think so. I would say I would definitely travel with you again. You were a good traveling buddy. I don't think we had any conflicts. No, no conflict over the bathroom. We all cleaned up our stuff. Or I think we did. I hope we did. I know I did, or I know you did. I'm not sure what your opinion of me is, but yeah, everything was good. No. Nasty hairs all over the shower. I don't know. Yeah, ten, 10 out of 10. I'd definitely do it again. Yeah, I, I had a blast. I was going to say, I remember when we were heading to the airport, it, we were just giggling and laughing. I don't remember what we were talking about. We were having a nice time. And then, uh, yeah, as far as the hotel room, I'm, I'm pretty neat and tidy in general and keep all my things sort of where they're supposed to go and out of everybody's way. So, yeah, I agree. 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, and I had, I had a fun time, never got sick of you. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of the activities, but we didn't like, we weren't like connected at the hip or anything like that. Like you did your own shit. I did my own stuff. We hung out with different people. So I think that's helpful rather than like just being around each other constantly, which clearly would wear each other out. Right. Yeah. That, that would have been terrible. (laughs) This podcast would have been over. Yeah. I had a blast though. It it was fun. And I remember while I was hungover on the way back from the airport when we were coming home, but we we still had a nice time then too. But could you tell how hungover I was on Monday? Yeah. It surprised me. You mentioned that to me and I didn't, you seemed perfectly fine to me. So if you were indeed hungover, you, you uh, hit it very well. Thanks. Yeah. I was extremely hungover. I was like, oh man, it's going to take like three, four days to get over this, which it actually did. I don't think my voice like return to normal for like five or six days, something like that. Wow. So did the but, waffle house ease the hangover or did it <laughs> have the opposite effect? It was, it was kind of neutral. I was a little hesitant. I thought maybe eating would make me feel worse. That's how hungover I was, but it did. Okay. Um, but it, it didn't like snap me out of it. You know, sometimes you have a, a meal from waffle house and you're like, all right, I feel much better. That didn't happen. I was like, okay, we're going to see how the rest of the day goes here. I need to get some sleep on the plane. But but yeah, it was a rough day. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> That's all right. It was worth it. It was a fun, fun night. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to move on to what people get out of an event like economy? 
Yeah, so Economy was a weekend event. There were people from all over the country there. I'm trying to think of the farthest place someone traveled to go to get there. I know there are tons of people from Colorado there. I'm trying to think if we knew anyone from California. I know Chicago, our friend Tom, people from New York. Uh, so yeah, it, it was interesting that people came from all over the place just to go to this two-day thing on the weekend. Uh, what did you think of that talk? So I guess we should back up a second. On Friday night, uh, Stacking Benjamins had a show. What did you think of that? Yeah, a lot of fun. I, as we've talked about before, I'm sort of newer to the Phi community. I've listened to a handful of podcasts and YouTube channels and stuff like that. But some of the huge ones I have never checked out before. So that was a live recording of Stacking Benjamins. And yeah, I thought it was great, really entertaining in the amount of preparation. I mean, it was a show. It was like a variety show. And the amount of preparation they put into it really, I guess it, it shows us how high the quality can be if you actually prepare ahead of time versus what well, we're, we're beginners. I mean, those, those folks have hundreds of shows out there. They're pros. We're just a couple people in my basement. But I thought it was really fun, entertaining, and yeah, I'll leave it at that. What about you? Yeah, no, it was amazing. They had costumes, they had outfits on, they had they had recorded audio clips ahead of time from someone else. I mean, it was very well choreographed. I don't know how many hours they must have spent on that. And then they had people like Paul Panton there, and uh, the bitches get riches were there. They did a song. They did their I don't know what their song was called. Their bitch anthem, or is it the theme? song for their their podcast their the intro music or something okay yeah, yeah right. that that's mu that must be what it would have been but yeah the whole thing was a very polished production and like this outline i wrote on the toilet 12 hours ago so. <laughs> as soon as i'm done with my house doug they're, they're going to be awesome these outlines. yeah 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 and we're learning as we go too so um yeah so that was friday night and then I'm not, are we, are we just going through kind of what, what happened or yeah, vision? I guess I'll say one other thing. So Friday I had my rehearsal. We'll talk about my talk a little bit later, but we also went to Skyline Chile and we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. So then Saturday we had the main event, which was a series of talks and what were there like eight of them? I think maybe. That sounds about right. Uh, several, yeah, maybe six to eight. And then there were some breakout sessions, which covered a specific topic and they were led by a facilitator, it, which you actually did one of those breakouts, right? Yes, I did one about real estate. Okay. Yeah. How did it go? How many people were in there? I thought it went great. There was about 40 people. I kind of freaked out a little bit because I went to my room about 10 minutes early and there was one person in there and she was my friend. I'm like, ah, okay, this is how it's going to be. And then I went back and the room was packed. So it was nice. We had a nice discussion. No one commandeered the conversation, which sometimes happens. And then you have to shut them down, but that did not happen. So yeah, that went really well. Were there any breakout sessions that you particularly enjoyed, Doug? Yeah. The, the one that I went to that sort of uh, got my attention a little bit more was the women in personal finance breakout session. And I think I actually heard you mention, Carl, that you were like, oh, maybe I'll go to that one. So I could understand like the blind spots in my like knowledge and just the way I interpret the world. And I thought, well, that's a really good idea. You ended up not going to it, right? Yeah, I did not go in the, I wanted to support Kyle with his, but I'm curious to see what did you learn from that? Did you see any of your own blind spots, Doug? Or? Yeah. I mean, lots of blind spots. I mean, there were sort of big areas where, um, 
the the women of the crowd. I think there were two or three men in there, and they would describe you know a specific situation. A lot of times, it was around um, being paid at work, and well, I, I didn't take good notes, nor did I bring any <laughs> here, but. Basically, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I've experienced something like that. And then I realized, oh, shit, like I'm I'm doing it right now where I'm thinking that I'm experiencing exactly what they are and interpreting it in a certain way, which clearly I'm not. And I'm not experiencing the same thing as women or people of color or anything like that. So it definitely pointed out to me like my blind spots and how I may think that, you know, I have it just as hard in certain ways, but I don't. So that was interesting in the... I can't remember who was leading the session. She used an abbreviation, so I never caught her name, but she did a great job facilitating and really driving the the whole breakout session to take action afterwards. So the result of the whole breakout session, which I, I haven't followed up with uh, some of the people like uh, Dusty, who is local around here, but she and another woman were going to basically have a mastermind where they could... Um, I think it was going to be in a Facebook group or something like that, where they were basically going to help each other and have these discussions so they could, um, to be redundant, help each other out. Okay, cool. So, and I wish, you know, as I'm saying this out loud, I wish I would have taken more notes. I typically don't take notes um, generally for a breakout session like that. Um, So I, I didn't have any concrete things to share specifically, but it was, it was very interesting and it served the purpose for you know me to fill in some of those blind spots and be aware right yeah we live in our own little tunnels and sometimes we don't uh, glance to the side enough or we don't try to consider what other people have to go through or experience that's different from us and i think uh, america's kind of weird just a lot of households are set up where the guy does all the financial stuff i know it's like that in ours and it's not for any gender reason, Mindy just hates doing it. So we do discuss it often and go over it, but I just handle all the money. But maybe she's like that because that's how she was brought up for the same reason. So yeah, it's always interesting to try to understand and figure out what other people struggle with. I think it makes everyone better too when you can realize that and give someone else a lift. Definitely. And I think the other breakout that I went to was what to do after Phi, which was, it was good. Some of our other friends uh, led that session. I think Chris and Deb led that one. And I didn't speak up too much. I just listened in there primarily. And it was, it was kind of interesting because a lot of people, it seemed like the folks that were talking were very driven in type A and very successful in their jobs. So they were, they were talking a lot and I wasn't unsuccessful. Um, necessarily, but I was more middle of the pack. And I think there was a bit of misrepresentation for the people that aren't overachievers and that are more average like me (laughs) and not type A. And it turns out like we don't stand up and talk during breakout sessions and we just let the type A people talk. So there was, there was a lot of discussion about just working really hard and then trying to figure out how to turn it off where, um, I think there were probably other people in the audience who weren't necessarily type A and that driven, but we didn't speak up or anything. <laughs> okay. I'd like to know if they have any tips on that because I'm, I'm getting better very slowly, but I'm almost five years into it. And I'm still 
I still need to slow down a little bit. So if you had any tips from that breakout session, Doug, I'd love to hear them. I'll have to, I'll have to think about it. Maybe something else will come up, but you sort of alluded to it multiple times and even in your talk, which of course we'll, we'll get into a little bit more, but if you're, if you're in the position in the mindset to just accumulate and work, 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 it's really hard to shut it off. And I lucked into sort of a casual approach where I was doing a side hustle and then got laid off and was able to ramp it up and then be very conscious, like in the last two years or so, instead of like trying to continually grow my business as big as possible, I'm thinking, all right, how can I maintain the right lifestyle that makes me happy? So I kind of eased into it and, and built it up versus um, having like a, a huge drive and then trying to figure out like what to do with this extra energy. So I don't know if that's helpful or not. Um, honestly, probably not, not, not really, but uh, <laughs> maybe we've, well, it kind of is helpful because while you were saying that, I, I thought maybe I just need to do what Doug does, like look at Doug and take some lessons from him. Just, I don't, I'm not sure what your day-to-day existence looks like Doug, but maybe I'll shadow you for a day or two. I'll just show up whenever you get out of bed and just take notes the whole time, be staring at you with my little like a uh, thing of paper. One one thing. So I, I have a couple thoughts on that. One, I have looked to our friend Pete, Mr. Money Mustache, and he seems to be very calm and not too busy most of the time. And I don't know Pete like super well, like we've, we've spent a few hours together here and there, but I did uh, have a lunch with him. There was a group of us and he talked about how he doesn't try to have plans for the day. He'll just wake up and then have breakfast and figure out what he's going to do the rest of the day. Of course, you can't always do that. Sometimes you have to plan ahead, but generally he seems not stressed out. (laughs) He doesn't seem stressed out at all most of the time. And I think that's probably an interesting way to try to run, run your, uh, your weekly schedule. I couldn't necessarily do that. I do need some anchor points throughout the day, but I have sort of looked to him. Have you observed anything of like Pete's calmness and lack of stress that is helpful? Yeah. I think what you just said is a key life hack and I always kind of, resent might be too strong of a word, but I always thought he was a difficult person to deal with because I'm like, hey, you want to work on this? How about tomorrow at noon or whatever? Like, well, I'm not sure what my schedule is going to be. I know I can do it at some point and I'll I'll ping you about it. And it always used to drive me crazy because I was always a planner. Like I I want to know what I'm going to be doing every hour. And I've learned that that's actually a very good way to live because then you don't have this stress. It's 9.30, I got to be at Doug's at 10 o'clock or whatever. So it eliminates a lot of that mental bandwidth and makes for a more pleasurable day. But if you live like that, you have to have the expectation that other people might not show up. So Pete could decide he's going to finally do his work at one and I might be busy at that time. And that's how he is too. He's never said, well, now I'm here. You need to be here now. He doesn't have that expectation. So that streak goes both ways. But if you could swing it, I think that's the right way to live. And I've tried to, one thing I've tried to do is if, I don't have a hard deadline like recording this, which I'm often late to anyway, or, or picking my kid up. I'll say we'll be over at about four, like or some or between like three forty-five and four fifteen or something like that. Because I don't want to, and you have to be careful with that too. Because I don't want to be rude. I have to respect people's time. But if 
I'm trying to think of an example of when this would work. Like maybe I need to drop something off at someone's house and I know they're going to be around the whole day. So I don't want to pin myself down to a time. Like, yeah, I'll be there about four. And it makes, yeah, it's a little mental hack for happiness, I think. Yeah. And then the other, the other observation is you have a lot more stuff going on. Like you talked about the home projects that you're working on. You have two kids. There's some other things you have to think about. So, I mean, everybody has their own constraints and busyness that they have to, to deal with. But I have a lot of luxury, which I'm, I'm self-aware that I have sort of a, a very nice position. But the other thing is I, I don't commit to too many things. I say no to a lot of things, which is hard to do because some of the things are fun or could be a good opportunity. But I have been saying no to a lot of things generally, even like good or even great opportunities. And I try to save my bandwidth and things that I want to do or, or save my time for things that are really, really awesome. Not just good or great opportunities or things, but like the, the best, the best stuff that I can do. And sometimes that is, I mean, I try to make myself bored sometimes just because you come up with more ideas and I don't like to be in a rush. Like you were saying, Oh no, I have to be at this place at this time and blah, blah, blah. I hate being late. I hate being in a rush. So just having a lot of slack in the schedule seems to be helpful for me. And one other thing, and I've been doing such a good job. Sometimes I'll get emails from people that say, Oh, you must be so busy. I would love to, you know, no one send me an email like, Hey, I want to pick your brain. I hate when people are like, Hey, can I pick your brain? But basically I'm not that busy. Most of the time I have one or two things per day, maybe three to four days a week. Usually Mondays and Fridays are like totally open. And like I said, a lot of, lot of space, a lot of slack in the schedule. So. So I'm curious now I've got three points to make about this. One is about myself and I'm probably going to be, at a good stopping point with a lot of my house stuff in the next, probably before Christmas break, my kids get off. So I'm going to experiment with living more like you. And it'll probably be the first time I've done it in a decade or two, because we've always been working on these houses or, or doing, I've always had some big, huge projects. So I'll be able to actually give Doug life a try and I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. But yeah, part of what makes your life work is something you said a moment ago, uh, knowing that you have enough and just not wanting any more stuff. You don't need to make more money. You don't need to make stuff. So you don't need more stuff. So you don't need to say yes to as many things. And I, I like that hell yeah thing. I think uh, Nate Silver wrote a post and I think the title of the post might've been hell yeah. And, and I don't know if you've read this, maybe you have, because what you said sounded exactly like it, but what he wrote in there was you should say no to everything except if it's like a strong hell yeah. Don't really do it unless you feel really, really good about that. And I think that's another life hack because we find ourselves being caught up or sucked into these things. And then we're like, why did we agree to this? Like this isn't a hell yeah in our life. We could be doing something that was a hell yeah. And instead we're doing this thing that we're not too excited about. Yep. And you mentioned someone's name. I, th I heard it, I think through, uh, Derek Sivers. That's it, yeah. Derek Sivers. So there's a couple interviews with Derek on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And I think there was even a chapter or a section in the four-hour work week about Derek Sivers. 
so yeah, I've internalized a lot of stuff. None of these ideas are my own. I just sort of like grabbed pieces from here and there. So, got it. All right. Well, that was a lot of me talking about myself. What about? So you led a breakout session. Which others did you go to? What was it like for you? Uh, I went to the real estate one. I went to the socially responsible uh, investing one, and that was the one with Kyle at the same time as the as the women's finance breakout session. And that one was pretty good. I guess the issue I've always had with social responsible investing is you're optimizing for the right things to make the world a better place, but it might not be great for your money. I don't know if you've read this post before. I think we talked about it in our interview with JL Collins, but Morgan Housel wrote a post a long time ago about the most successful company in the world. Do you remember what that was, Doug? Like, yeah. So if you had invested $1 in this company at a certain time, I think when Kennedy was president, you would have like $70,000 now. So $1 to 70000 And that was a cigarette company like RJR, Nabisco, or what's that? It's not Nabisco. Uh, Reynolds. Reynolds, that's it. Um, <laughs> crackers, cigarettes, all the same thing. Uh, so anyway, if – and we're going to go on another tangent here. Like the whole point of an index fund isn't to buy every company. It's to buy every company. So you catch the 10 or 12 that really outperform. Like most companies don't do well. Most are suboptimal, but there's a couple that just knock it out of the park. Like the Microsoft, the Google, apparently the cigarette company. So if you were to have invested socially responsibly back when the cigarette company was out, you would have lost a lot of money. I think the statistic is incredible. Like, I, it's a significant percentage of money you would have lost if you w- would have just been out of that one stock. So that's the issue I've o- I've always had with that. But it might be changing, and I might be one of the poster children for that because one of the best performing companies in the world now is Tesla, who is green energy and electric cars, which are better for the environment than normal energy and and normal cars. So maybe it's changing. So one of the themes of that talk was you can still invest in a way that makes the earth a better place and not have to worry about losing money. Very nice. And are there specific index funds that are targeted at, you know, being socially responsible? Yeah, I think there are. And that was discussed a little bit. They tend to have a little bit higher fees, which makes them unappealing to the FI crowd because we're big on fees and how they eat into our returns. But I guess another theme of this whole breakout session was it doesn't necessarily have to be about money all the time. They talked about some of these micro lending sites. I think Kiva is one of them where you can help someone get out of like an indentured servitude situation in some awful place in the world and free these people for like $20 or something like that. And they usually pay you back, but who cares? Even if they don't, if you freed someone from a horrible situation for 20 bucks or $100, that's totally worth it. So a lot to chew on there. And I guess it could be something where, you know, maybe initially when you're on your FI journey, you can be, you know, maybe more aggressive and think about the returns a lot more. But then as you get further along and you realize, ah, you know, like some people end up earning a little bit more money and maybe they're, they're coasting a little bit more and things are fine and they don't have to optimize for maximum returns. They can work for a little bit longer because maybe they like their job right now or something like that. So maybe it's something people can sort of move into as they become more successful and maybe the, the speed in which they retire is not as important. Yeah. That's one thought. And the other thought is like uh, Warren Buffett is often criticized for not giving more of his money away while he's alive 
he said he is going to going to give it away when he dies, I think 95 to 99%. And his thing is, I'm going to maximize my income now. And that way I'll have more money to give away at a certain point upon his death. But I think it's a little bit more fun to do some good in the world before you croak to actually see your money doing something, especially if you can do something locally. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Okay. So, man, we we went on a big tangent there. So we were talking about the the breakout sessions, and I guess to get back on track a little bit, what do people get out of an event like this? Yeah, I guess with that question in mind, I'd like to talk about the main stage speakers a little bit. There were eight talks, and I think each one was was super different. Um, some of them were, were more inspirational. Some of them were very, what's the word I'm looking for, um, where you can take the information and then actionable, that's what I'm looking for. There was one on healthcare and she just had slide after slide of great information with what you should do when you're going for healthcare, how you should review your bill. So I think there is an educational component to it, but probably not as much as you might expect, maybe a little bit more from the breakout sessions, but I would say the main stage talks were more inspirational than not, and maybe entertainment. What did you think? Agree a hundred percent. I think you, I literally wrote that down earlier. <laughs> so yeah, the breakout sessions probably had like more actionable inf- information and there was uh, of course more back and forth because it was a breakout session and there was conversation and the main stage was huge variation, but generally it was inspirational. Sometimes it was a story of someone's journey, but you weren't necessarily able to like you wouldn't be able to recreate it. You could just maybe learn little pieces here and there from each person. But in all of these are going to be available on YouTube at some point. Diana's going to publish them on her channel, but I don't know when those are going to be out. I think December. So maybe I know we're going to publish this early in December. So maybe by the time this is out, those will be out. And if so, we will link to them. And if not, we'll put links in when they actually do come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are we ready to talk about your talk, your speech? Uh, let's talk about the community aspect of it. Okay. I, I know you're not as entrenched in the FI community as I am, but did you see people who you've met at past FI events there? A couple and not not too many, but a couple from FinCon and a couple from the Camp FI that we went to in Colorado Springs. So that that was pretty cool to just see some familiar faces. But yeah, for me, it like the community is fantastic. And going back to episode one, when we were talking about why I wanted to partner with you, part of it is, you know, so many people and it's so apparent when we go to these, you know, larger conventions and stuff like that. And you get to catch up with people that you've known for five or eight years or however long ago that you met them. You haven't seen each other in a while. So it's really cool to see that. And then the lucky thing for me is I get a warm intro. You know, they don't know who I am at all, but we get to hang out. You're like, hey, this is Doug. So I met people and was able to sort of not necessarily shortcut, but they're like, oh, it's one of Carl's friends. So he must be okay. Or he must be nuts. You know, what one of those, how whatever they think of you. But yeah, that it was fantastic. And I met a lot more people. I think this at economy and got to spend more time with people than at FinCon, which is kind of interesting 
makes sense. I mean, FinCon's a bigger conference, but um, at, at Economy, I met so many people. Yeah, it was nice talking. At least I talked to a lot of people who were not bloggers or who had no online presence. It's nice to meet those people and get their perspective as well. But one of my favorite moments from the whole thing was we were sitting at that table in the hotel and we were there. J.D. Roth is there. Paul Pent was there. And Mr. Money Mustache was there. And there was that guy sitting at the table kind of looking at us. His name was Mike and he was from Chicago. So finally someone like kind of made eye contact with him. It might've been Paul and said, Hey, why don't you come over and join us? And it turned out he was another attendee at the conference and he was just thrilled to be able to, to meet us and talk to more people that made his day. And we probably hung out with him for a couple hours. Chicago Mike shout out if you're, if you're listening to this, but yeah, little moments like that are, are pretty cool. And I hope people who come to these things make some new friends. I know there was even a dating event there, which neither of us could go to cause we're taken. But uh, I do know some people went there. So hopefully people go to this thing because they're excited about the conference and then maybe come back to meet up with old friends. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just sitting around the lobby and hanging out, drinking beer and stuff. I mean, that was that was a lot of it for me. The all the all the speakers were fantastic, but I definitely got more out of sitting and hanging out, especially that day that you're talking about, even though. I think we started drinking uh, maybe a little too early uh, in the day, and maybe that's why I was snoring <laughs> later, but it was worth it. <laughs> it was totally worth it. It was, I mean, it was so much fun, and that's when you can have like the tangent conversations that, that we want to have where you get to really know and understand you know, someone's background a little bit more, things maybe they're not telling you on stage, um, and just be a little more human versus like a one-way um a one-way talk where the person's on on stage just giving their speech yeah so and then yeah i remember that guy mike and uh yeah he was a little starstruck he's like oh i, I wouldn't even i mean he wasn't going to walk over he was just respecting you know the the group there but yeah i think paula brought him over and he was like oh my gosh this is amazing got pictures with people and got to hang out and every i mean the amazing thing is people are so down to earth and just, I mean, everyone's a person. So everyone just is trying to do their best and wants to be liked. And uh, yeah, everyone's so nice. Even if they have giant podcast or something like that, or they're the most famous of, of the famous bloggers, they're just hanging out, drinking a beer like everybody else. Yeah. That summarizes why anyone should go to one of these things in the future. If you're listening to this, everyone is uh I think our friend Dusty said the same thing. Just everyone in this community is so like genuine and nice. It doesn't seem like people have any, uh, there are some people out there who just start a blog to make money. But I think most of the people who we know, at least in our circle are, are pretty much in it for the right reasons. We're helpful, and, like genuine. I like to think I'm a nice person. Maybe I'm not, but <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone's great. And that's why you should come to one of these things. Maybe not so much. The show was great. The entertainment was great. The breakout sessions were great, but uh just, yeah, if you go to Economy next time, figure out what the main hotel is and just hang out in the lobby and you'll have a lot of good conversations. Yeah. You don't know who's going to walk by. Yep. All right. Anything else on what people might get out of it or should we? I don't think so. Yeah, it, it was great. We'll talk a little bit more about Economy in a moment, but yeah. All right. You 
did awesome for your talk. And I've, I'd seen the talk sort of grow and change and it, you iterated it and I saw you sort of workshop it around. I thought you did a, a great job. It, it was amazing. So yeah, do you want to tell us your impression of the talk? Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that, Doug. So I'll back up a little bit here. I did my first, you have to take a public speaking class in college and I did that and I swore I would never public speak again. But then I decided to do it again in 2017 at CSU, a uh, local school here at Colorado State. And I was freaking out. There was only 10 or 15 people in the audience. And it scared the shit out of me. And my leg was shaking and I had to hide behind a podium and all kinds of stuff. And this time there were 500 people in the audience. So this was a much bigger crowd. But I'll back up a second. We had our rehearsal on Friday. And I, I go in there. And if you're giving a big talk like that, there's a monitor that the speaker could see that's that only the speaker could see. And then the big slide thing is behind the speaker, if you can picture this in your head. So anytime I've ever given a talk before, the speaker has the speaker notes on the screen. So you can configure PowerPoint or Apple Keynote to show like a couple notes and what the previous slide is and what the next slide is. And you don't want to really rely on that too much, but I would often glance at that as a cue. Hey, the, the next slide is here. Here's what I, here's how I need to intro the content. So I go to, to my rehearsal and I look at the speaker thing and it's showing, it's just a mirror image of what's on the main display. I'm like, oh, can, uh, this must be an error. Can you please bring the speaker notes on there? And someone goes, yeah, we're not doing that. You're just going to see a mirror of your talk. I'm like, oh shit. Cause I probably spent 40 hours just working on the speaker notes. Cause they're not that big. My eyes suck. So you have to have real big words in there. Really good prompts. So I kind of freaked out at that point. I'm like, oh my God. So. At that point, I'd kind of, before that, I decided I'm not going to rehearse it anymore. I'm done. So after that, I'm like, shit. I think I went back to the hotel room and did it like five more times, just looking at the main slide to make sure I remembered everything. But with all that said, I think it went out really, it went off as good as it could have been. Usually when I give a talk, there's certain points that I always forget to say. And this time I remembered it all. And I always like to be a little bit scrappy and spontaneous. So like five minutes before my talk, I was rewriting parts in my head. I had a little bit of interplay with J.D. Roth. And that was something I came up with five minutes before I went on stage. We hadn't planned that at all. So it was kind of weird. And I think I had a, a joke about Kmart. <laughs> that was also something I came up with on the moment. So if you like TED Talks, do not ever go to see me talk because it is the opposite of that. But yeah, I'm super happy with it. I'm uh, so glad, really, that I had the opportunity because uh, these things are a big confidence builder. Every time I do one, I feel like I come out as a slightly different person, and I hope I entertained everyone. The other thing I wasn't sure I was going to do before the talk, like I had the audience participation thing, like where they were saying, I call bullshit, which is part of the talk. You'll understand <laughs> when you watch it on YouTube. I'm like, well... And the thought I had before is what happens if I say that and everyone just sits there and stares at me like I'm going to feel like a total dork. I'm going to be nervous and screw up the rest of the thing. But then it turns out everyone was into it. People had probably been drinking by that time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it went off as well as I could have expected. There was one part where I thought I, I wasn't smooth because I didn't know what slide was coming next and I kind of screwed up that. I My headphone thing fell, my microphone thing fell off my head at one point. So if there was a blooper reel, I would have been 90% of it. But it's okay because it was fine. I just rolled with it and didn't really give a shit. So, yeah, super happy. I don't know if I'll ever speak in public again. I've thought about just hanging it up after this because I've done this. What more do I need to do? Um, 
I think I've got out of it what I need to get for my life. I'm a better, more confident, happier person. So all because of public speaking. So maybe I'll never do it again. I don't know, Doug. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it was a lot of people. Um, what did you say? 500? I mean, it looked like a big crowd. There yeah. were a lot of seats out there. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And I was kind of, I was a little bit nervous before I got on stage. But then as soon as I got on, probably within 10 seconds of talking, it kind of all disappeared and I felt at ease with it, which is kind of strange and calming. The thing about public speaking is that there's a lot of things that you can do that if you're fearful, you could still do a good job at it. Like say I have anxiety about changing the brakes on my car. As long as I'm careful and follow the instructions, I could still arrive at the same point a mechanic would have, even though I was scared to do it. But the fear in itself can change your talk. Cause if you go up there and you're scared, you're going to, it's going to directly affect your talk. And if the audience sees you're scared, your audience is a reflection of you. They're going to be scared for you. And the whole thing is just going to suck. So the problem with public speaking, the really hard thing is you're only going to do a really good talk. If you go up there and you're super confident with the attitude, like I own this, I'm going to, I'm going to kick ass, but it's, if you're scared, you're not going to have that and you're not going to be able to do that and it's going to not be a great talk. So it's uh, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. But yeah. I wouldn't challenge your analogy with the brakes because if you fuck up on the brakes, like you can hurt yourself or other people. So maybe <laughs> maybe something that won't kill other people, but I, I'm not sure. Wait, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was probably a pretty bad analogy. Um yeah. What's <laughs> something else you could be fearful at and still do a good job? Maybe like cooking, like cooking a nice meal or like a steak or a turkey, right? You're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. But worst case scenario, yeah. you like messed up the turkey or steak or something. Yeah. The fear might change the... <laughs> uh, and what I meant by that was the fear might cause you to spend 10 times as long on the breaks and have to watch the YouTube video 10 times. But the result might be the same, even though it took you a long time to get there. But, Got it. But with public speaking... There is really no way to practice it except to get in front of there. So there is no practice. There is no watching YouTube videos because it's not the same as doing the actual thing. You could rehearse it 10,000 times to yourself in your basement, but it's going to be completely different when you're up there with a crowd of people. What was the largest crowd that you've given a talk to before that? I think it was probably the Campify that you were at over the summer, like 50 people, 40 people, whatever that was. Okay. Wow. Quite a jump, quite a jump. Cause we did, we did one of our live panels, which a panel is different than giving a speech, but we did a, a live panel with roughly the same number of people. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's right. At the uh, event we had at the HQ over the, in the fall. Okay. But yeah, this is 10 X is big, but yeah, it was good. I'm trying to think if there's any differences between the thing. The, the other thing that worried me was, if you're in a small crowd, like you can directly interact with someone and with a larger crowd, that's a little bit more difficult to do. It has to be a little bit less personable, which is not as enjoyable. I don't think it's nice when you can have, and it's not really a conversation with the crowd, but that's how I like it to feel. Not just up there lecturing nonstop mm -hmm. with no feedback that would suck in a horrible way to give a talk. What was the, the title of your talk? Um, I don't even remember the title of my talk. It was Finlandia is a lie, like F-I landia, financial independence land is a lie. And how did you select the the topic? Uh, it was just about my own explorations of happiness. I got to retirement and I found out my life was better, but I wasn't necessarily 
any happier, and I wondered why that was. So that set me off on a journey to figure out how to increase the happiness in my life, and that was part three of my talk. Got it. And then, because I, I have thought about you know speaking at certain times, and I have a, sort of a technical background with SEO and some other things, so potentially I could talk about those things. But for me, do you have any ideas on what I might be able to give a talk? I mean, if, if you have no ideas, we can obviously move on. No, Doug, I think you're a pretty funny person. I think the actual topic is less important than the delivery of it and how you present the information. Uh, like if you're a really good speaker, you can talk about staplers for an hour and entertain, entertain the crowd. If you're a shitty speaker, you could talk about the most interesting thing in the world for five minutes and bore the shit out of people. But I think you're naturally a pretty funny person, Doug. You're witty, so I think you should go for it. Maybe if I do public speak, it'll be with you, Doug. We can do some kind of ridiculous thing on stage, maybe like the Stacking Benjamin show. Right. That or uh, the Bitches Get Riches. They had a great talk. They were hilarious. And I, I think that was the first time they did a big, you know, uh, sort of main stage talk, right? Yeah, I think so. And. And theirs was good too. I mean, it, it was really good without even saying this, but they hadn't been able to practice it together in person until like the day before they were actually in the hotel room next to ours, but uh, Lauren got in like the day before and that was their first in-person practice, I believe. So yeah, they knocked it out of the park. They were, they were freaking hilarious. Yeah. They opened it up and like set the energy really high and yeah, they, they did an awesome job. Yeah. Very creative too. That whole Mad Libs thing at the end. Oh, so good. Watch that one on YouTube. Watch it before you watch mine. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see if we can get them on this show. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll text. I'll, I'll text somebody. Yeah, I, I think I might meet one of them. Um, Jess, who goes by Piggy, I might meet one of them at the brewery, which you might do the open mic session at too. Right? Oh yeah, right we there? we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I was going to say I saw. Uh, Jess over at uh, an event at HQ. So yeah, I got, I was like, Oh, what's the brewery? I forgot. So yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to coordinate that. All right. Anything else with your talk? I think that's it. Uh, check it out. If you have nice comments to say, leave them in the YouTube comments. If you have nasty comments, keep them to yourself and go to Oprah.com or whatever you normally <laughs> go to. Okay. Next big thing is Cincinnati. In Skyline Chili. We have talked about the uh, spaghetti with the chili on it and stuff like that. We'll, we will start with Cincinnati. So impressions of Cincinnati? I suspect that I might have a different impression of it than you because I am from the Midwest. So when we flew in there and it was dreary and rainy, I'm like, oh, this is great. I feel so good. It's like right back home to Chicagoland where I grew up and it felt the exact same. The, the city has a similar feel to Chicago. Uh, the the whole Midwestern vibe, I think. So I had never been there before, but I, I liked it a lot. I would definitely go back there and I kind of want to go there and explore more. What, one of the things I did was, I think we were about four miles from the river. I walked down to the, I walked down to the river one day and then walked back a different route and just checked things out and, and, and took a bunch of pictures. And yeah, I really enjoyed Cincinnati. One of the things that's cool about it is it's not flat, it's hilly. So my idea, and if there's any officials from Cincinnati listening, I think you should maybe rebrand yourselves as the San Francisco of the Midwest. Nice. You've got the streetcars, you've got the hills, <laughs> you've got the body of water. Yeah. Well, I'm from the Southeast, so we have some similar terrain in, in the fall. It does get 
rainy and sort of cloudy and gloomy and cool. And, you know, there's a lot of trees, it's very green, all that kind of stuff, which is sharp contrast to where we're at here in like Boulder County of Colorado. So it did feel familiar and it reminded me why I now live in Colorado. <laughs> uh, but, but the city itself, I didn't venture out too, too much until there was an urban hike that we went on on Sunday morning. But yeah, you got out like early one of those days, walked like eight miles. I went down to the the gym in the hotel and just did a, a light workout just to get the blood flowing. But you really got out and saw the city. I, I really stayed in our little area around the, the university where the hotel was. And I, I didn't go much farther than that half mile area there just overall. So you saw a lot more of the city, got out to the river and everything, which there were some sort of scenic areas, right? Yeah. The Before I talk about that, the whole city seems to be in a bit of transition because you probably noticed in our urban hike, there were some really, really nice houses and things being built. But when I was walking around, there were also some old red brick buildings with all, with half the windows gone and boarded up. But you could tell how beautiful it once was. And I think it's a city that's probably on the upswing. Like the, the riverfront area was fantastic. They had redone the river. They had these hanging benches and picnic tables on little train wheels that rolled back and forth. And they had a pedestrian bridge over the river, I guess just that because it was close to cars at the time. But yeah, really nice. And then, then the university area where we were at was really nice too. I walked up there and there was a street, the same street Skyline Chile was on. It was really nice feel, like a nice old main street, kind of like Longmont with thriving businesses and all that. So I think it's a city in transition. I suspect if we go back to economy in 10 years, it'll look even a lot better. And I'm not saying it was bad. Some parts of it just need a little TLC. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, all, all towns or cities will have that sort of spectrum. Just some will have more of other pieces than others, I guess. Um, walking around on that urban hike was pretty cool, although it, it was rainy and it snowed a little bit that day, right? Yeah, I think so. It was probably the worst possible day for an urban hike with stairs like snow that turned to kind of a freezing rain thing at times. And, and I, I, I rarely trust the meteorologist but I did check the weather before we left and I packed a raincoat, which turned out to be perfect. So I, I layered a couple things together, including a Melanzana hoodie and uh, I had a raincoat. So I mostly stayed driving though. We were walking around outside in the rain for like two and a half hours. Eventually it soaked through a little bit like on the raincoat, but I got to use the raincoat, which was great. Yeah. You're so smart too. Like you're so prepared. Were you a Boy Scout dog? For, I, for a short time, short time, I was like a Cub Scout. Okay. I did not even think about Breener Raincoat because we never do hear it and it never rains there. And, and then you go there and the sun never comes out. So it's like the exact opposite with one short plane flight. But yeah, I did not think ahead. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this, the city was pretty interesting, like to see the different pieces outside of just the university area, which was, you know, we stayed in a, a fairly nice hotel good amenities and like every, everything was sort of new around there, sort of freshly built. And then we just had to walk, you know, half a mile over to where the conference center was on the un university campus. So all of that was really nice, but it was interesting to see, you know, the rest of the city, some of the businesses, different residential areas and stuff like that. Yeah. So, all right. And then Skyline Chile. So... 
What'd you think? Yeah, so this is a before I talk about that, we need to talk about the controversy with with this. If if you talk to people who are from Cincinnati, like Paul Pant, they love Skyline Chili. I think Paul Pant had it for almost every meal there, right? <laughs> Maybe she had a sponsorship from them. I don't know if they, they were in her talk, but yeah, she ate it almost every meal. And then you talk to someone like my wife or Diana, who was the person who founded Economy, and they're like, oh God, that's like eating, I'd rather eat rat poison than eat Skyline Chili. But I, I think, Doug, you had a really good point about Skyline Chili, which maybe you should say what your point was. And this was kind of my thought, too, before I went into it. So people go, <clears throat> excuse me, people go to Skyline and they think, I'm going to get spaghetti with some chili on top. So they have like a preconceived notion on what chili should taste like. And this chili is seasoned a little bit different than what we're used to, like a Southwestern style. There's a little nutmeg in there, some other kind of spices that are similar to nutmeg or cinnamon. So it throws them off. And I think it's all about expectations. And if you go in, like we went in knowing that there would be this nutmeg and other spice kind of flavor in there. So if you think you're going to get spaghetti with chili, meat sauce with a nutmeg flavoring, you're probably going to be pretty happy about it. And we went in with that attitude. We, di we didn't want to not like it either. I think we wanted to like it. So I think those two things help, but it's all about expectations. So if you think you're going to get like Texas style, Tex-Mex chili, it's going to be a little different than that. Yeah. Someone called it the, or I heard someone call it the pumpkin spice of chili, which is probably a pretty accurate representation of it. Yeah. But yeah, I actually liked it a lot. So I went in there and they had three sizes of it, like small, medium, and large. And I'm a, I'm a pretty active person. I usually get 20,000 steps and I usually consume a large amount of food. Also, I don't eat breakfast. So lunch is the first time. So I'm like, I, I, I should go with a large. Then I looked around and saw someone who had the large. I'm like, oh my God, I could feed like nine people. I, I don't need that. So I <laughs> ordered the medium. It was like six or seven bucks. You get this huge plate of food that I liked again. I thought it was good. And I probably just could have eaten that for the whole day. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I would say, just repeat to what Doug said, go there, but don't have expectations of it. Yeah. And I, I got, um, I wanted sort of a, a combo. So they do have the spaghetti, but they also have a uh, cheese coney, which is a little hot dog, not, not a full size hot dog. So it's a little bit smaller. And I got one of those plus a small plate of chili. So I got sort of a little combo, got to try everything. And you can order the spaghetti in, I guess, three different ways. You can get the three-way, which is spaghetti, chili, and cheese. You can get the four-way, which is the same, except you can get onions or beans. And then the five-way, where you get onions and beans plus the spaghetti, chili, and cheese. There's a massive amount of cheese on whatever you order. If there's cheese on it, there's a fuckload of cheese, which I like. Um, I think it was like mild cheddar. I'm a fan of that. And I got the five-way. And I thought it was a, a great size of meal. I didn't feel overstuffed. And I got to try a little bit of everything. So, Yeah, I got the five-way as well. I think this is probably why we had the Dutch oven situation <laughs> in our room that night. I had it on multiple days, actually. So, Yeah, you went back. And did you order anything different when you went back? The first time, I did not get the conies. So the second time, I ordered the medium with a coney. Perfect. And yeah, would you think, are you a hot dog eater? Some people are like, I never eat hot dogs. But. 
I, I will put just about anything in my mouth. So <laughs> I, I will eat a hot dog. Like the dollar fifty hot dog at Costco. I mean, I wouldn't eat that every day or even every week. But once in a while, it's probably not going to kill you too much faster. I hope. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I'll. I mean, I don't. I don't seek out hot dogs specifically, but occasionally. Like I'll have a hot dog, like at a ball game or some, if there's an occasion to do it, but I usually don't like go out like, oh man, I really want to get a hot dog for dinner. Like we know we don't do that. So, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? If they build the Costco and the Costco is going in pretty close to Doug's house. When they open that up, will you eat Costco hot, hot? Do you ever have that, the hot dog special there? No, no. I, I've seen them before, but uh, yeah, I usually don't get get food at the Costco. Oh, so okay. they're pretty good. Good for me, but I, again, say your expectations, but these are a different kind of expectations because the one in Cincinnati was just setting expectations for the type of food or the flavor. For this, just set your expectations low if you don't expect much. And they, they have pizza at Costco, right? They yeah. have pizza. Okay. I'd probably go for the pizza slices because I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm more of a pizza person than a hot dog. Yeah, it, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe... Maybe once they open it, after we record, we walk down, we get some cheap meals. I don't know. We could have a live recording from the Costco food court. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Anything else with uh, Skyline? I don't think so. When I go back to economy, I will definitely go back to Skyline. And someone else said, what's the the other one called? Like Gold Spot? Or am I thinking of the brewery in Denver? I think. I think they both might have the same name, actually. That's yeah. where you're going to do your musical performance soon. <laughs> but Goldspot is also, if I'm getting the name right, is a competitor to Skyline that the natives, most of them recommended that over Skyline. So next time we'll have to try that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, one thing, I don't need, I can't even describe it well. We should have taken a picture. I don't know if you if you did, but they had, the, the food came out super fast. So they just have vats of cooked spaghetti chili and then a bunch of hot dogs on like these little small hot dogs on the flat top grill and it was a scene just to look at all of that food out and i mean really you order it and then it it took like three minutes for all five of us to get food like that so did, did you take a picture of all that oh, i don't think i took a picture of the cauldrons filled with the steaming stuff but yeah it's kind of like one step above the college cafeteria right there you yeah. had to wait in the line with the tray here. They bring the tray out to you. Which funny thing you mentioned that I used to enjoy like the overcooked pasta from the um, like, yeah, the college cafeteria, which I, I don't know. It's just like bad, you know, cafeteria food, but I'm like, oh yeah, it's really good. I don't know. I guess I was really hungry back then in <laughs> freshman year, unlimited meal plan. Okay. What else do we have here? One thing we learned. Okay. I'll go first here. I kind of mentioned it earlier because I went to the the women in personal finance breakout session. So just thinking about my blind spots with how I, you know, perceive the world around me. I'm trying to think of something I learned and this is a this is a shitty answer, but lots of people came up to me at okay, I'll back up a second. I was having a conversation with someone who was pretty interesting. I'm like, oh, you should come on our our, our podcast sometime. He's like, oh, what's a podcast called? So I'm like, oh, it's the Mile High Five podcast. He's like, I've never heard of it. And right as he said that, this stranger comes up to me and said, hey, I see you're having a conversation. I don't want to interrupt. I just want to tell you I really enjoy your podcast. And I got that 
more than once. So I'm surprised there's actually more than three people listening to it, or maybe there are just four people and all four of them happen to be at economy. <laughs> but thank you. Nice person who said that. And Brian from Motley Fool, uh, that he was not a plant. I swear it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's nice. I'm trying to think of anything I learned and, uh Yeah. I and I, I want to jump in and just, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You wrote this bullet point. <laughs> 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 Wouldn't you have something for the answer? <laughs> you you would think I would, but uh, eagles may soar, but weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. I guess I'm aiming low yeah. here. Um, yeah, that's okay. Maybe you you'll think of it. Well, one one other thing is, I mean, you've been in the the sort of Phi community for several years, and you gave a talk. You've you've been around basically, so. I'm not surprised that you didn't like learn something new that you had no idea from because you're so, you're so wise. <laughs> yeah, I guess I learned a lot, but I'm trying to think of like some broad, like overarching thing to say. All of my learnings are pretty crappy and low hanging fruit. Like, like I know I can share a room with you, Doug, and we probably, there probably will be no conflicts. It'll be a conflict free zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So would you go back to economy? Oh, I totally would. I, I, I admit, Diane, I'm sorry if you're listening to it, but I was a little bit hesitant to go to it. I remember one of the pieces of advice I gave to her, she was telling me, you know, I, I don't know, last year was hard to sell tickets. I'm like, oh, it was COVID, but maybe if you want to sell more tickets, you should have it in a place with a little bit higher population density, like maybe go to Chicago or the Twin Cities, like uh, – so not to knock on Cincinnati, I just like a bigger market might have served her better. But visiting Cincinnati and experiencing that was one of the highlights for me, seeing a new city. Uh, and the conference was great, too. So I love that when you've got both like uh, I'm trying to think of an example. There's been some FinCons that have been in places I did not want to go to. And it was like a desert. You had your conference hotel and then there was nothing going around around it. So you're, you were just kind of confined to the hotel. And as fun as that is, talking to people, it's always nice to get out and explore a little bit to see a new place. So I really appreciate it. Economy, because I got to see Cincinnati, because I really enjoyed it. But then the conference was great, too. She did such a great job. Uh, It surprised me. I was there at the rehearsal, and she was like, okay, what am I going to say here? And what am I going to say here? I'm like, oh, I wonder how this is going to go tomorrow, because she's just figuring this out now. And then she gets up on stage the next day and and nails everything. It was great. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely be back. I'm much more enthusiastic about it than I was before I went to this one. How about you, Doug? Yeah, definitely. I actually was trying to buy uh, the ticket cause there was a little sale. And then for some reason, like my PayPal wouldn't log in or some kind of thing. There was some, you know, interruption in the matrix there. So I, I, I didn't buy a ticket yet, but yeah, I'm planning on going. And I think it's planned for like March ish of 2020 three. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. So she's skipping next year to do like full planning and all that stuff, but it'll be 2023. Okay. Yeah. I think she is going to be at the Camp FI zone. Diane is a super cool person, very motivated. She's going to be president and take over the world at some point in her life and a very nice person to boot. So if there's, if you want to go to any FI events in the next year, go to Camp FI and meet Diana at one of them. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. She did a great job. And we I didn't write this on here, but is there anything you would change? Uh, I'll let Diana know. She could watch this and get feedback straight from us. Yeah. 
criticizing I, her in public. I think she had the same feedback and she even said it publicly at the end that she, maybe she would have less talks because the first day was just back-to-back talks like machine gun, do, 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 a bunch of talks in a row with very little downtime. So maybe have less talks or maybe have them over two days so there's more time just to hang out and mingle and things like that. And it, like after you've listened to eight talks in a row the whole day, it can be a little mentally taxing, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and just sitting for that long. I mean, people uh, needed to get up, take a quick break, stretch their legs, hit the bathroom, get water, whatever. So yeah, I think spacing it out, like you said, she mentioned it like at the end, she's like, oh, wow, we should probably space this out. So yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I thought it was very well run. All the meetups were great. I did not go to the one where you throw footballs at bowling pins, but the one at the uh, Rheingeist Brewery was great. The urban hike was great. Yeah. I Yeah. So I would super go back to this. Yep. Yep. So I, I think we'll be there unless there's going to, unless there's some sort of uh, scheduling conflict, we'll probably be there in a year and a half or whatever it is. Yeah. So very cool. Any other, any other thoughts here? I don't know. I, I kind of want to take it on my own self to get Skyline Chili to cater one of the events, like have Skyline Chili sponsor economy. Yeah. They might not want to do it after hearing some of the comments here, but I think they would get some converts. So Skyline Chili people, if you're listening, and maybe we can get the asparagus people involved too. I don't know. I don't think asparagus <laughs> yeah. is big in Cincinnati, but we'll reach out to them. We should do a uh, like a offsite asparagus tasting, like a a side event we're like yeah we're doing the asparagus tasting over at the i don't know i don't know who would who would hold us but <laughs> all right i did have a note on here to read some itunes reviews but my phone's far away so i'm going to pause for a second here so thanks to all the people who have left a review and we're gonna just read a couple over on itunes so if you want to have your comment featured you can leave us a a, a rating and a review wherever you listen and we'll really appreciate it. And we may read your stuff. So this one is from Bofia 21. My favorite episode is the most recent one with trip of a lifestyle. Nice to get an update from them. And they inspired me to live in Hawaii for a few months too. Very cool. Those are our friends over at trip of a lifestyle. Yeah. Shout out to Steve and Lauren. And then Happy to be a repeat customer. So just getting into my FI journey, but it's great to hear their take. I've been impressed with the interviews and how the guys have gotten better. Definitely worth checking out. Very cool. And we'll save some of the others for future episodes, but we do appreciate it. And Carl, have you left us a review out there yet? I have not left us a review. I, I try to avoid reading them, but maybe I will now. Is it... Uh... Is it okay to review yourself? Yeah, I mean, if if we are not going to give ourselves reviews and ratings, who will? We have to, how, how are we going to grow the show if we can't even pump ourselves up here? I'll put it on my to-do list right after I finish the 10 show notes that I still have left to do. One other trick is like, if you have relatives, like, uh, you know, you go to Thanksgiving and people have their phones around, just say, Hey, can I borrow your phone? I want to rate and review my own podcast. And then you can subscribe them, download a bunch of episodes and then rate and review from their phone. Little trick. That's an excellent idea. I, I like stealing people's phones. Some people from Economy have pictures of dinosaurs on their phones that they did not want or ask for. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's the only kind of picture that they ended up with on their phone. 
Doug, have you checked your photo? <laughs> no. Have you checked your photos? No, no. I, I, now I'm scared too. Now I'm scared too. All right. I think I think we're done for today. Yeah. All right. It was good catching up, man. And we'll catch you all in the next episode. Yeah, nice talking to you, Doug.